Good evening, everyone. Um, it's awesome, eh, when we can just come and, and share together and what's ministered through the music essentially is, you know, there's, there's no, there should be no distinction between what's ministered through the music and what's ministered through looking at the scriptures because it's the Holy Spirit that's bringing to light the word of God within us, eh, through song, through prophecy, through testimony, through... Um, you know, declaring the psalms and is it, what is it? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that every person has in them to bring when we gather as the, the fellowship, the, the gathering of the saints. Hey, it's not just a Sunday evening service; it's the gathering of the saints. You know, I had a chat with one of my work colleagues um, on Friday, just casually talking about what was happening over the weekend, and I, you know, said that. Normally Sunday we, we gather as a, as a church community and he said, oh, is that Sunday morning? I was like, yeah, Sunday morning and Sunday night. He's like, twice? <laughs> He's like, that means that you're pretty much tied up all Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I didn't tell him that. To be honest, we do Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, pretty much every second night during the week, pretty much, you know, like multiple lunch times a week. <laughs> I was like, we're not going there. <laughs> But actually, because when it's, when it's not just about physically coming to a service, but actually it's the body of Christ, it's a lifestyle of fellowship and togetherness, that it talks about the church in Acts that they met together daily, not because they were required to, because they had to sort of fulfill some sort of religious function or form, but because what was in them yearned, I, this is my, my conviction, yearned for fellowship and togetherness, and their... Their togetherness and their fellowship was, it was eating and drinking of Christ himself, which, which became to them, like he says, is like, um, my body is the true drink, and my, sorry, my body is the true food and my blood is the true drink. So when we gather together, it's not just to physically be here, it's actually to be present in what God is doing and to eat and drink of him. Is that cool? Alright, so this evening we're continuing on our theme of being conformed to his image. We've got a fantastic scripture for you to look at this evening. It's in Colossians. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians. The key verses are going to be verse 9 through to 12, but we might just read the first part of the chapter. And here in, in Colossians, we hear from, from the Apostle Paul and his immense heart for the church. Um, and he says these words. Oh, actually, let's let's read from the top, um, and then and then we'll get into we'll get into the uh, Colossians one, Colossians chapter one. We'll read from the top down. The title in the NASB is thankfulness for spiritual attainments. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you have previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, 
even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learnt it from, how do you pronounce this name? Epaphras, our beloved fellow bond servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Now listen to this. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God." Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Powerful passage, eh? Powerful passage. And it was these key words that really stood out to me. It says, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, we've been talking about what it means to be conformed to the image of the Son. And Paul here is giving us two real big keys to what it means to be conformed to this image. He says, and he prays for this church, the church, uh, the Colossian church, and he says, uh, you know, his heart is that they would be filled with all of this spiritual wisdom and understanding because he knows that that is the key to unlock this life that is lived out in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. So we're going to dialogue this evening and you're going to dialogue about what it means to be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we don't have any specific panels for uh, so specific questions for our panel this evening. We're just going to work through line by line, um, and it'll be awesome if you guys can join us on this journey um, of bringing to light what what lies behind these scriptures. Cool. All right. So we'll, we'll start with verse number nine. For this reason, also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Over to my very good-looking panel contestants for this evening. Go, Chris. Cool. So um, I guess that one of the sort of first things that stands out to me is Paul's perspective that he knows who he is, and because of what it is that he is in, he recognises what there is to come into. So he says, for this reason, even though you've heard, even though you've received this, and you know what the truth is, and it's bringing forth fruit, I, I know what else there is. There's more. And there's no settling, eh? There's no stopping there and going, you've heard something, just cruise on your merry way, he's like, let me, let me pray for you firstly in my own space because like we were talking about before, like you were saying before, Greg, he's a man who is looking inwardly and going, what's my part to play in this? As a father over these people, I'm going to pray and hope and believe that they're going to come into this. And secondly, he's saying, because this is a reality in my life, this is the outworking of it and let me 
Pray that you will come into the fullness of what it is because there is so much. And I think he's, he's, not, like, he's not praying in this particular passage for those who are far away. He's praying for those who actually are firstly part of the church, but those who have actually already genuinely received the gospel. Right. Eh? You know? And yet, even in that, his heart is, is not just for complacency, it's for fullness. Eh? You know? And I think you, know, you can see, I think it's in First um, Corinthians where he says that, um, you know, um, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, you know, and that in here, there's, there's not a sense of these people have already got something, so therefore they're capped at that limit, you know, because love continually edifies and continually builds up, hey, it's, it's glory to glory, not just a, a limited, you're, you're in, you're out, you know. So. I love the words there, um, have not ceased to pray, you know, he's, he's, He's a man that's continually in prayer because of what the guys have said, because of what he's laid hold of. You know, so in Philippians, you know, he says, I lay hold of everything that Christ laid hold of me for. So he's laying hold of things, and that causes this 24-7 prayer. And the challenge, isn't it, for the body and my own life, you know, prayer took a while to develop and still is developing, and it can be one of the least things that the body of Christ actually does and yet Paul knew it was the key the only way that this was going to open up to the Colossians was through prayer and the only way you'll actually and I will come to know everything that's concealed is through prayer and so we must be a people of prayer and not just five minutes out the door as you're running to work it's it's the development and the formation of a heart of prayer that it's, you develop a lifestyle of it. So you're never not. That doesn't mean that you're always in your secret closet somewhere, but your heart is never not praying. Your heart is never not in tune. Your heart is never switched off. You're always linked in. And this is what the life Paul lived, and I love it. He says, and to ask. So he's now asking on their behalf, because he's positioning himself for them. Don't you love that? That's a true parent. Positioning for, believing for, hoping for, praying for. It's not for himself, it's for them. Um, That they would what? Be filled with this knowledge, because he knows what the knowledge has done for him. He knows his, his old life. He is the greatest example in the scriptures of flesh and spirit. And so he is desperate. The Bible says he would even give his own life for his fellow Israelites. They would come in that he would not. Um, So he's a man of prayer and he's praying, but he's praying for something very specific. So it's not this, oh, Lord, and it's not related to him. It's related to them. It's a true kingdom prayer. Um, So he's petitioning before God on behalf of others. And that's what we're to do. You know, that's ultimately where prayer ends up. It may start, you know, for you, about you. That's okay, you know. But God wants to take you off you and onto others because that's where true life is. Because you know he was already going to meet those things, those needs that you might have will be met. Because you never, they never get met focusing on you. They always get met when you start living for him and others. 
And that's true parenthood, eh? You know, like true parents have a perspective that's for the greater whole and for the family, not just themselves, you know? And I think this that you see here, Paul, he was an apostle, but he was a father, you know? And that, you know, as a father, you know, I just think about, to, to me, that's quite a, a massive litmus test almost, you know, like what, what does your prayer life look like, you know? Um, what, what wells up from within you when you sit down to pray, you know? Is, is, it, is it you or is it, is it, the, is it others? The, the body, like Greg was saying, it's not that you shouldn't, it's just that, you know, there's something more than just you at stake here, you know? And that's what Paul lived from and his prayer life was an expression of the life that he lived from you know um yeah totally and i i love it that he's that he says that he doesn't cease to pray like it like you're saying greg you know like paul himself said pray without ceasing and you know you wonder i don't know how many times he wrote in his epistles that he was praying for people but whether or not the people that he was praying for ever realized that or came into the fullness of uh, what it was that he was um, interceding for or praying for on their behalf was actually irrelevant to him. It was, I, I see, I see it written as an example, so that we can talk about it, or so that we can have an idea. And this picture is painted for us. But that is, that is the heart that goes. Whether you come into this or not, whether you even know what it is that I'm doing for you, I will stand in the gap. Because that's the heart of Christ, right? He's like, I'm standing in the gap. I'm filling this place that's empty. Um, And I think it's in the book of Ezekiel, you know, God's talking about his shepherds. And one of the issues that he had with shepherds over the house of Israel was they didn't stand in the gap for their brothers. You know, he's looking for a heart in his people who go, "I, I see the gap and I have the capacity to stand in the gap. And all of us have the capacity to pray, right? Um, And so I just love that first and foremost, his heart was to pray and it wasn't dependent on anything external, anything else, any recognition. He would be found there to the point that he says, I I won't even cease to do this. And, you know, to pray the way Paul prays is connected to the will of God. So because he knows, it, it sort of follows on, you know, to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So... The more you have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, the more you'll pray because it will cause you to pray. You won't go, I need to pray. The wisdom within you will make you pray. You won't be not able to pray because that's what the word in you does. It creates the life. So now your mouth is moving, your heart's engaged, and you find yourself being able to You find yourself making it a priority, not because you're trying, not because out of discipline, but you actually know the will of God. And so just out of that alone causes you to want to. Um, And I just love this because this is just another example of Paul's heart in Ephesians 3, 14. And he's just gone through his own stewardship and basically trying to let the Ephesians know the role he has in the body to bring to light this mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. He says, you know, that the manifold wisdom of God might come through the church. So when we come into this reality more and more of Christ in us, then this manifold wisdom that's in you comes out of you. So he's getting all this, he's in this, he's coming into more of it. 
He talks about the eternal purpose for the church. He talks about this boldness and access through faith in him. And then he says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you. Once again, not himself. Why? Because he's in it. So his heart is to bring everyone else into what he's in, but he knows he can't. So he does what he knows to do, which is to pray. So he's praying the Holy Spirit would activate this within the hearts of man. This is why prayer is so important and why we started the Wednesday prayer meeting three and a half years ago. Because God rebuked me (laughs) and said, you guys need to be praying way more than what you actually do. Way more. (laughs) And this man's going... Um, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Listen to what he prays, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, length and the height and the depth And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, is that Paul's life? Was Paul strengthened on the inside through power, through being weak? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. So he's praying from his reality because he wants to see a whole entire church raised up that imitate him. Is he not the one that said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ? But he knows he can't do the work. He can surrender to it himself for it to be done in him, but he can't do it. Same with us. I said this morning, I can't give you my revelation. I'd love to be able to, but I can't. I can speak. Sam can't give you his revelation, but he can speak. He can pray and then hope that something in all of our hearts will be stirred into prayer and then to ask, seek and knock not only for the receiving of that but also for others so it's powerful what he's saying in three verses you know. Yeah. and this position of prayer that you're describing is such a, like, it's such a place of helplessness and hope hey, you know <laughs> and, and that you know just think of all the other things that you could physically do like music, preaching all of them, there's something that's, there's activity that's really generated that you can see and touch and feel, but prayer almost feels like, if, if it's not for the purpose of what Paul's describing, that it's for the, the, the absolute trans, spiritual transformation of the church of God to, you know, to live from this manifold wisdom of God, to receive a, a knowledge of God that's come from this unseen invisible realm, what on what purpose is it achieving? You know, like for someone looking into the the, church prayer meeting should look like the most ridiculous, (laughs) what on earth are these guys up to thing? And it it, it it should absolutely look like that because for someone who doesn't have a perspective of the things that are unseen there's absolutely no value in it. And I think that that's why it does get neglected, you know. Um, 
for people, you know, and I think the sign of maturity, like, like Greg was describing, is, is when we come to this place of helplessness and but hope, you know, that knowing that it's only God by his spirit that can create this, this growth and this transformation, this fellowship that we um, are, are wanting to come into as a body. Hey? To me, it seems like prayer is the least of all spiritual acts. You know what I mean? Like if you're truly praying behind the scenes, who's going to know? There's zero credibility in it for you unless people know that you're doing it. And I'm just reminded about Jesus who says, he who would be the greatest among you, let him be your servant. And what I see in Paul is a true servant heart, one who is selflessly lifting up others through prayer. And Christ, you know, he's in in heaven and the word says that he still intercedes on our behalf. You know, and my natural mind goes, oh, well, when I get to heaven, I won't need to pray anymore, (laughs) you know? And God's like, actually, if you think like that, you're not seeing it the right way because it seems like a chore or your heart's not in it. But actually, this is a life. When you, when you see it for what it is and when you lay hold of it and this heart transformation takes place when you realise, like, like we've called it, the engine room, where this is where things are made or broken, you know? And, and I just see it in Paul. He's like, man, I'm, I'm the least let let my prayers lift my brothers and sisters up, and I have confidence that they will. The development of a intimate time with him is essential for anything in him. Um, Spirit seems to want us, to, I think, to sit on this whole prayer thing for a little while, you know. But it's like it's more than prayer. It's the ability to be still, to wait, and then allow him to show you. And then you pray from that. Because now you're praying into his will rather than just, well, I don't really know what to pray, so I'll just start my mouth and start moving. (laughs) And that can be the hardest thing to do, depending on the knowledge you have because it's the knowledge of him that enables you to be still and it's the knowledge of him that enables you to be not distracted you know because as these guys are saying it like function let me at him i can do i can do i can do but if all the doing is removed how's your being and that's one of the things that people were getting exposed of with the latest isolation because people don't know how to be and they get their peace and their stillness from doing, and they can't do. And so you get exposed for the counterfeit. Now, I understand that, you know, um, but we as a people are to be the people that are able to model the stillness through the being because we practice it. And you've got to practice this thing. It's actually about positioning yourself. It's very clear Jesus got up early. Now, I'm not saying you have to get up early and make a law, but Jesus got up early. So there might be something in that. Before anyone else is up, Jesus was up. And then they had to find him, didn't they? Because it talks about this, and Jeremy goes on it quite a bit, the secret place. And you have to have a secret place. Wherever that is for you, but I encourage you to start developing one with him because he is desperate to bring to light in life the knowledge, 
the wisdom and the will of his father. And we are to be the people that know that. So to not know this is not to be the people we're called to be. You, you can't be a follower if you don't really know the will of God because you're supposed to be following that. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple, isn't it? But it's all contained and concealed in a spiritual realm. So it's concealed from you but for you. And that's why developing this secret place, this quiet place, this place wherever it is. You know, for me now, it's cool. I can be in cafes and the noise. Danielle doesn't know how I do it. And I don't know how I do it either, but it somehow just happens. And I'm just almost like this little vacuum and all this stuff will be going on. And I'm like, it's all irrelevant. It's like, is it? Oh, you know. Um, And yet at the same time, I get up early and I sit there in my little room with my little light on and I love the dark. You know, that's why we're very different. Danny wants to come in and turn. That's why we don't do it together at times because she turns the light on, I turn the light on. I just want to be in the dark. I love the dark, but it's not the darkness. It's, I don't know, something with me and him happens in the dark. You know, if you want the light on, turn the light on. But for me, it's the dark. But there's this development because he wants to bring us into the spiritual. Notice the word before it, spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. It's not natural. You can't find it in the natural. You won't get it from the natural temporal realm. It's here on earth, but it's in a spiritual domain. So Jesus said, my kingdom has come. Heaven has no, it's there, but it's here. And it's looking right in your eye. And it's a handshake away. So as you develop and grow and nurture this quiet place, guess what happens? He starts to unopen, unveil himself, heaven. Where? In your heart, in your mind, and you now start coming into a spiritual wisdom, a spiritual understanding. It's mana that you partake of, life in you, and now you just live. It's beautiful. And I think, you know, what, what you're describing is, you know, in terms of finding the secret places, it's not just about finding a secret spot per se. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's that the secret place is, it, it's a what what we're talking about. It's a spiritual place of intimate connection with Him. You know, and I think you know just because you have half an hour of prayer. It does not necessarily mean if you do this, you get this. You know, it's not a trans, it's not a transaction with God. You know, yeah. it's an intimate connection, and I think that that's what that's what's being cultivated and and coming away and spending time and being with Him is that what's what's being learnt and developed and practiced in that place is a is a posture of heart to be able to connect and to receive revelation because it's revelation that that transforms you and changes you. It's not the actual spiritual practice itself. But there's but there's but the, once again this is this is where the, the oneness of of being in him and with him comes in that if you don't find a, that place physically, you'd probably just keep going on and on and on and on with your life and there's no space to to have that kind of intimate connection. So it's, do you see what I'm saying? It's it's both. There needs to be physical time set aside, but it's not enough in and of itself. It's a, it's an opportunity to facilitate intimate connection and fellowship 
where revelation can come and he's speaking to you and, 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 and bringing to light the word within you. So it's, it's two part, eh? Two part of a, of a whole. So. Questions? Let's pause and... Questions? Questions? Just giving me the eye, that's all. Through circumstances, maybe God was kind of teaching you through circumstances, like you were in a difficult place and you had no way of coping with something, and and so you you, you decided, well, I'm just going to do this anyway, and that's what God was actually looking for was for you to actually do it, to, to do it in, the, in your circumstances, so that He could develop the relationship that He wants to have with you. Circumstantial prayer, like causing you to pray because of circumstances. Sometimes that can act as a catalyst yeah. to get you to change your position and your thinking, your posture, I think, to, to enter into him in a way that you may not have if it wasn't from that circumstance, I think, you know. So... Yeah, you know, I also find, um, sadly, that oftentimes external circumstances can drive us to prayer. And I wish that it wasn't like that. I wish that I saw the absolute need for it with the fervor that an outside circumstance can bring me into. You know what I mean? But I'll take it. If it's fuel for the fire, then chuck it on and we'll, we'll burn. <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's the key, isn't it? Because God will allow things to get you into him so then you start living as you've been called to live because and then that starts to open up this other realm you know because it's it's about him opening up his realm to you so now it's not doom and gloom disaster that gets you praying that might have started you but now it's was what you're looking at it's the glory of what he wants to bring in you and in others and to earth and who he wants to build. So this is why he allows certain things because he's the super wise guy. He has this wisdom and he will lead you and allow things in your life which you might kick and scream at times but he's trying to get you into something far greater than what you even know. That's why obedience is essential. And that's why obedience without second guessing is essential. So often we want to understand before we move. He goes, no, move, and you'll get understanding. Yeah. And it's a key, you know. So it is, it's like, it's, it's great. Whatever gets you going, but you don't want to stay there. That's right. You know, you, you, you want to enter into what we're looking at. You want to enter into what the place Paul's in. So the motivation for your prayer is love. It's the yes. Father. It's the Father's will. It's like this is bigger than earth this is bigger than my little life you know because so often our prayers are all anchored in temporal prayers they're like 80 year prayers they're not eternal prayers and God is the God of the eternal of eternity he's building something far greater than 80 years on earth yet for us we're all about earth and see and this is why it's essential we come into this understanding where your eyes get off earth you'll still pray for the things of earth so hear me but actually, number one becomes eternal prayers. Number two are temporal prayers, but they're all one reality. Yeah. 
So the two become one, but they have an order to them and a priority. And so you're actually firstly now praying kingdom prayers. Lord, I pray your will into this nation, you know. I pray for the building of the house of God because I can see the pattern in which you build. I pray for these people that have been sent for us. And I pray that the church would understand who they are and they wouldn't resist and reject and deflect and deny their giftings so they can receive the grace on the giftings so we can all be built as one house. I pray that you would open up the eyes and the ears of the church to hear the word that's coming forth into the earth because it's a spiritual word that can't be understood through natural senses. And so you're moved on your knees to pray because you're so in love with him and one another and you want to be part of this church that releases the manifold wisdom of God into the earth. It's pretty cool, eh? What's my question? <laughs> <laughs> ask you to more anyway. He's just answered my question. Me and Luke Harris, we're going to ask about the will of God and prayer. And yes, thank you, Greg, yep, for answering it before we, you read my mind. <laughs> We can talk more. In can, can I bring another scripture in here and ask a question about it? Uh, if it's related. Well, it's related, related because it's related to praying and fasting and the things to be hidden. Yep. And so obviously the one is the one where the, there's the demoniac and Jesus says, this can only be ousted. By prayer and fasting, and I thought that that related that something. Anyway, I wanted you to speak to that. It's good. What, eh? So, what I find really interesting about that passage is Jesus addresses the situation with this man. And correct me if I'm wrong, if I've got a wrong version of the Bible, but he says this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. But he actually, in that moment, he doesn't actually pray or fast. So, so he's saying, he confronts a situation where he says the demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. He doesn't pray or fast in that moment. So, so what is he saying? That he, he lives in and from this posture of prayer that we're hearing Paul talk about, a place of authority, so that he doesn't need to... A situation doesn't need to come across his plate where he just says, oh, sorry, just excuse me one moment. I'm just going to uh, go and find my secret place and, um, <laughs> um, and doesn't drum himself up into some sort of frenzy. And then, you know, when he's got there, he lays hands and he's ready in and out of season and in the moment to be able to respond with authority to, to that situation, you know? So what, what's he... What's the perp? Why does the demon respond to him and not the disciples? Authority. So it's not about prayer and fasting. That's a means to authority. What he's saying is, you guys need more authority. 
So you actually need this. This is this is a strong demonic hold on this person. You need to spend time in prayer and fasting because in prayer and fasting you'll get greater revelation and greater revelation, greater authority to cast this demon out. Okay. So don't just hear prayers about prayer and fasting. It's that's a means towards something greater. Prayer and fasting is a means towards revelation. Revelation brings knowledge. Knowledge brings authority. In the knowing of God is the authority of God. So we're called to have the authority of heaven. All authority has been given to who? Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is in you, being formed in you, if you know him, then you know authority. You don't have any authority outside of Jesus Christ. So you need to know Jesus Christ for your authority. Hence... When the sons of Sceva get beaten up by the demon because they're quoting uh, this uh, Jesus guy and he goes, <laughs> the demon looks and goes, well, Jesus I know, Paul I know, you're in trouble. Because I know you don't have any authority. You're using a name you don't know. Okay, So this is the key in this prayer and fasting. It's in the knowledge. So God wants to bring spiritual knowledge, which brings spiritual wisdom, and understanding, so then when you encounter different things, you can act and see people set free. I would have probably put faith in there as well, because I think that if I remember right, when he comes to the disciples, he rebukes them for their lack of faith in that moment. And the same thing, because for me, when you're in prayer and fasting, your reality, your sight is being open to what is not. What yeah. Isn't. yeah, it's it's all linked. So the greater the knowledge, the greater the faith, because faith is associated with knowledge. Okay? So we've created faith to be something you need to muster up in the hope that something's going to happen. That's not faith. Okay? Faith has its anchor in the knowledge of God. Okay? So this is how you overcome. How do you overcome the world? 1 John 5, 4, through your faith. So when the challenge of the world, the flesh, the demonic come, it's your faith. Not you start yelling, casting, yelling out scriptures and going, oh my goodness, now I've got to start to declare this. No, no. Your knowledge of God that's come through your prayer, your supplication, your crying out, the revelation, you now have the substance called faith in you. It's a substance of a knowledge of God and you speak with authority. So this you just overcome. So it's like a surfer. You can be taken out by the wave or you overcome the wave. You go over the wave or the wave smacks you and takes you out and spits you out. It's pretty ugly. But you want to go overcome. Over. Not because you're trying. Why? Because you're a man or a woman of faith. And this is what we have to get our hearts around because we've been taught faith is this other thing. And we've confused faith and trust. Okay? Faith is a substance. Faith is in a knowledge, it's an assurance, it's a conviction of what you know. That's why he says you have no faith, disciples. So when he's talking to them about sin, and they go, ooh, and creating stumbling blocks, they go, ooh, well, they say, Lord, increase our faith. Because they think that's the answer to not being a stumbling block. He says, if you had faith, you'd speak something else. So he's identifying they weren't of faith. And you look in the Gospels, he's always telling them they have little faith. They have little knowledge of who he is and his will and his plan, don't they? Hence, why do you think Peter gets in his face when he says, I've got to go to Jerusalem and die? Because he doesn't have faith of the plan. 
He doesn't have a knowledge of the plan. Why is he chopping off ears in the garden? Because he doesn't have faith. And Jesus is telling them throughout the entire gospel, you have little faith, you have little faith, you have little faith. Now that man became a man of faith because he wrote about faith. So what happened between having no faith and being a man of faith? You know, the other thing that I find really interesting about that is that just thinking about Christ and this fasted lifestyle, you know, and I feel like what we do so well, I know speaking from my own experience, is um, you fast, and then you, f- you do your time, and, <laughs> and there's some baking waiting for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, no. I've done, <laughs> it's just me, it's just me. <laughs> I, sometimes I might bake. Off the panel, mate, off the panel. <laughs> I, do bake, I do bake sometimes. <laughs> I bake while I'm fasting. <laughs> But here's, here's Christ who is in this fasted lifestyle. So he's not going, not eating, overeating. You know what I mean? He's not kept making up for lost time. He's really cons- consistent. He knows who he is and he's living it. And this is this thing about living this in season, out of season, when people are watching, when no one's watching, for something that's in front of you, which is you being reactive to a, solu- a situation, or the proactive, which is actually I'm living this because whatever's going to turn up, I'm, I am this, you know? And this is especially true of Christ. The funny thing about that, though, is that he lived this fasted lifestyle and no one knew that he lived this fasted lifestyle, Because what did the Pharisees say about John? Oh, John doesn't drink and doesn't eat, but Jesus is a glutton and a drunk. A glutton and a drunk. And yet here's the guy that turns up in a moment and goes, this only happens through prayer and fasting. I'm your guy. Because regardless of what everyone else is saying, the truth is truth. And I am this thing, whether you knew it was turning up or not. And so here's just another example of, of the same position that we're talking about that Paul's in, where he goes, it's actually whatever you all think is irrelevant because this conviction starts here. And, you know, it's interesting, in in, in Matthew, Jesus is talking about, he says, when you pray and when you fast, and he talks about going into your closet and praying in your closet, you know? And and to me, he says, he's talking to to the people in this context, and he, he says, you know, the Pharisees go and stand on the street corner so that people will see and recognize them when they pray. He says, these people have got their reward in full, you know. Yeah. But what we're describing, this, this position of prayer that's actually unseen except by him, yeah. there's actually a much greater reward than the recognition of people. Yeah. The reward is Revelation, you know, the reward is is growing in authority, and like like we've been describing, you actually you receive from him in that place, and so of of course these people have received their reward in full because the kind of prayer that they're about does not actually mm-hmm. obtain God's ultimate purpose for prayer, yeah. which was their, you know, ultimately entering into His will, their transformation, eh? You know. Yeah. And, and don't hear a formula. Okay, so don't run away and go, right, now I'm going to fast and pray and get greater authority so I can yield that authority. Okay? Because you can, you, can, you can get revelation without prayer and fasting. It's a heart thing. It, it, God sees the heart. But fast and pray. 
you know, but don't make it a formula. We, we so want to make it a formula, you know. Um, I just read this. This is what I love. What, what do you hear through this? This is in just Matthew 6, okay? What's the key word you hear? When you pray, you are not to be like hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. That's what Sam was just saying. But when you pray... Go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. What's the key word in there? When. When you pray. Not if you pray. When you pray. Because he knows... His disciples are praying people. It's an attribute of being a disciple because that's what he modeled. So think about that, okay? When you pray, not if you pray. You don't have to pray whether you should be praying. (laughs) When you pray, here's how you are to pray. So Jesus expects it. It's not something he doesn't expect from his people. He expects it. Can we get you started? Amen. Yep. Just um, something to oh sorry, sorry. Just um, something I wanted to follow on from what Cena and Luke were asking before about the will of God, and I feel like um, just something that I just want to throw out there as well for us to talk about, and I'd love to hear what these guys got to say. Is um, you know it, it, I I totally agree with what Greg was saying. You know, there's kingdom prayers that are eternal in nature and um, are really come from sight that is fed by this relationship that's being cultivated and grown, right? There's also another element to that, which is sometimes we're praying for something which, A, we might not even know about, or is something that's on God's heart that we haven't yet seen that he wants to speak to us about in a moment. So um, an example might be that, and this is why I love this fasted lifestyle where you're a person that is listening in a listening position where where your your heart is set on his heart and what it is that he's feeling and sharing and saying so that when you all of a sudden feel a a a, a thought for Warren and you're like oh I I just feel like praying for Warren right now and I I don't know why but the moment I I think this it stirs something in me and you start to pray that and how many stories have we heard testimonies of people who in a moment of of listening because they were living the lifestyle, not the 7 to 7.30 and speak to me in that time or don't speak at all. Not that we do that on purpose, but it can be that. But, but obviously that's leading us to a greater reality, is that he can speak something for someone that we might barely know, a place that we're passing through, an issue that's on his heart that he wants someone to pray for, and he's looking for someone that's listening and ready to say, here am I, send me. It's not glamorous, I'm not going anywhere. But some ground's being turned over in someone's, uh, someone's life and potential eternity is being changed because of what he spoke. Because I, I, you know, this is kind of how I want to wrap that up, is that the will of God in a moment can be known by us for a particular moment as well as the eternal picture that there are things that he will speak in a moment for us to pray into that's his will temporarily as well as eternal. 
And, and for me, prayer isn't my list of things. It's this, it comes from this intimacy when we meet I'm picking up what's on him and I'm bringing it back to him. It's, it's kind of like that. Thoughts on that? <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I agree. And I don't necessarily see that connected, uh, disconnected yeah. from, you know. <laughs> oh, that talking for nothing. It's a hero. Right. No, I don't necessarily see that disconnected from the, the bigger picture, you know. And I think it's, it's a part of, you know, and... And, and how are we to know in that moment whether speaking into someone's specific situation can unlock something yeah. in them that, yeah. that moves them forward into God's bigger picture plan, yeah, right. you know, for, for, for them or for, for the body of Christ, you know? Yeah. So. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, that image there, conformed into the image. Um, Michelle, can you just try and find Romans eight twenty six to twenty seven? Because just sitting before being conformed into the image of Christ, which is what we're looking at, is this really cool passage or two verses around prayer. And I just want us to go through it, just read it. We don't have to spend too much time, but it's interesting how you know you there you go. In the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then you hit this reality of, and we know that God works all things for the good of those that love him, who are called to his purpose, and this whole thing of what we're looking at, this being conformed into his image. And so in this whole reality, God's all over this. And even sometimes we don't even know what we're saying or what we're praying, but we're being stirred. You know, the Spirit is taking this, who knows the mind, and interceding and relaying it back to the Father. So don't underestimate prayer don't underestimate even the inability to get words out because a groan is speaking he hears all things so your spirit groans I love Jason Upton man it's just like you know sometimes there aren't words to describe what I'm trying to say but I groan and I I love that and that's right before this entire thing of being conformed so take that away and probably no conforming so what's the will of God? To conform us into the image. So as we pray in an alignment to God's will, the Holy Spirit is taking our prayers, relaying it to the Father. Who's the one that changes us? The Holy Spirit. So you can see this massive fellowship of connection between us and the Spirit. Even sometimes we don't even know what we're saying. We're praying into the reality of God's will because these prayers are in alignment from the saints, which is us, into the will, which is his macro will, to raise up a people who are conformed in the form of God, not a form of godliness, godliness. So there's a form of godliness that exists in the body of Christ. It looks the part, sounds the part, but ain't the part. And there's godliness. And the Bible says godliness is profitable for this life and the life to come. 
See, this life and the life to come. So this whole thing of being conformed, form, don't make me in your image. So conformed into his image because there is a form of something else which can look like it, but it ain't. Hence prayer becomes essential as we all start to pray because we do know there's an adversary that wants to mess that up. So he's going to be throwing the opposite darts. We've got our own flesh that will lie to you. And then you've got a culture of a world screaming at you, this is who you're supposed to be. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of words and there's a lot of stuff going down. So I hope that really encourages you to just, you know, don't be afraid. And even when we're having gatherings here, you know, I was talking to Ben Hewitson. I said, mate, you've got a prophetic gift on your life. Just release it. Don't worry if it doesn't make sense. You see, this is the image I got. And I said, man, why don't you share that? <laughs> well, I didn't think it related. Well, it did relate, you know. And it's all cool, you know. But it's just this bring. Don't worry about it. It doesn't make sense. This is a safe place. It's a safe place to get things right. <laughs> you might just get it right. Don't worry about getting it wrong. You might just get it right. I love that. I, I hadn't heard it put in quite the nugget like that before. That we, and this is how I heard some of what you just said then, is that we try to conform God to our image and he's trying to conform us to his image. The ag- absolute opposite of what we naturally wanted to. <laughs> Any more questions? Thanks, by the way, Ollie, for, for that. That was half an hour later. That was awesome. Um. <laughs> <laughs> When you're talking about a lifestyle of fasting, um, Isaiah 58 talks about that. And, I mean, it's way too long to go through now, but and it's important not to read it just as a physical... Um, but it, it's talking about this this being conformed and this fruit will come out. Um, so you're not talking about just for a day because it's talking about attitudes that you can have this form of and go about the form of fasting and, and yet come out with these attitudes. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Um, because on the day of your fast you find your desire and all these things about what's happening on the internal realm, and yet you see Christ who is is the example of what he says, um, is this not the, the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him? You see Christ doing this in us, you know, and um, not to hide yourself from your own flesh and then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Not, not 
your glory. <laughs> and then you will call and the Lord will answer. It's all in there, you know. It's such a powerful life which is prophesying who we are, you know. And this is the life that is what you're talking about. And our prayer is a muscle. It's a, it's a muscle and we're to exercise it. And I, I, I sense that it, it, does, it doesn't have to be long-winded, is what my translation says. So you can get stuck on our Father for, for months when you pray because you think about our Father and how good he is. So when you wait on that, so that exercising that prayer muscle is is something that Jesus modelled. And in the garden, you can't, um, a lot of people don't know this, that the extent of prayer that he did in the garden when he bled is a physical thing that he went through. So he couldn't just do that. He had exercised his prayer all his life talking to the Father I, I feel like God revealed to me, Jeremy, because he, he said, Jeremy, you haven't become a house of prayer. And so the last four years, you know, behind the closed door, he goes, this is what it looks like. But the beautiful thing about prayer is God said, it's the currency of the kingdom. And if you look at what the bowl that gets poured out at the end, you will be thankful for the exercising of prayer when he pours that out. Just in the middle, and I love it how he placed in the middle, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. What did he release on that which was blinded for our benefit when he said that? And then you start to see the deliciousness of prayer. So exercise it. Could be one word tonight. You just um, just came back to Colossians, you know, and sort of touches on what Cena was bringing up there, that we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that, and that's a key two words, so that. You know, so there's an outcome that's associated with everything that's in him. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him. And then it lists all these different attributes. But it's very hard to walk in a manner, in fact it's impossible to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Unless you have spiritual wisdom and understanding because... To walk in a manner worthy is to walk in an alignment to him and his way. Mm. So to not have that is to just be walking aimlessly. And it's even more disappointing when you think you're walking in alignment to the Lord. You know, So a non-Christian could be walking aimlessly, but they don't know it. But we can be too. Yeah. Because it's a spiritual wisdom. It's a spiritual understanding. And like we've looked at, you know, there is these two wisdoms that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. And he says this is the wisdom of the world, and it cannot come to know God through its operating systems. Okay? It literally can't. And that's the wisdom we're all of and from, 
before Christ. And that doesn't just go away when you receive Christ. You know, your soul realm, your mind has been trained a certain way to learn and receive knowledge. And that needs to be put to death because it's completely going to rob you of spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding, the spiritual knowledge of God for his will. And the challenge is in your in that form, you can go, oh, yeah, I know that 1 Thessalonians 4 says that the will of God is sanctification. So you can mentally grasp the answers through reading the scriptures through that demonic mindset which leads you into thinking you know the will of God because you know how to answer. And I go, well, then live that out. What? Well, just answering the question doesn't mean you're in the kingdom. And that's what Jesus said to the scribe. He said, you've answered correctly. You're not far from this kingdom life. See? So it's not whether you answer the question. It's whether you have knowledge And that knowledge empowers you to live out the demonstration of the word. Okay, And this is why this holds us back. Because we can't walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Ephesians 4 verse 1. And you'll see this word everywhere. Walk in a manner of the calling. Okay, so what's the calling of God? Well, that's what we're unpacking. It's to be conformed into his image. So how can I walk in a manner worthy of that calling the purpose of God, if I don't know that's the purpose of God, through revelation. I can know it through human intellectualization, through learning through the human way and acquiring knowledge, but that will do me zero good at actually that being a living knowledge that actually has my life conforming to the image of the Lord so I can walk out a life worthy of that calling. So the other night we had an amazing Zoom and we looked at the purpose of why there is a judgment seat. So there's a purpose for the judgment seat. And it's going to judge how you've lived. So we're all going to stand before him. And he's actually going to righteously judge whether you came into and lived out his will. It's not an issue of love. It's not whether he loves you or not. It is not the great white seat throne of judgment, it's for reward. Now, if we don't come into the spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. He said, it's the spirit that brings life. He says, the flesh profits you what? Nothing. So to continue on that mindset of flesh, because that's what it is, it's demonic wisdom, flesh, to try to keep learning but never coming into knowledge, Okay, which is 2 Timothy 3 verse 7. You see, they were always learning but never couldn't come into the knowledge of the truth. What? Because you have a form of godliness. So you keep acquiring by your form, which doesn't let you live a life worthy of the calling. And so you stay the same. But you hoodwink because you have this knowledge which you think is bringing you life, but it's just intellectualism. So you can tell me all about God, you just can't live as God. That's a challenge because we're called to live as God. How can the manifold wisdom come through your life 
because it's not what you know, it's what you can live. Wisdom is vindicated by her children is the demonstration of God. It's not, let me tell you about the scriptures. It's let me demonstrate about the Lord Jesus Christ, Sorry, which is what Paul's life was, wasn't it? The man of wisdom said, my message is in demonstration. You're looking at the message, in other words. I am the message. Is that what Jesus said? I am the word. So we are to become Christ-like. Our lives are to be the message. So when they read you, you're a letter. That's right. So when they read us, what do they read? See? So we've got a responsibility, but this is all concealed in the kingdom of God, which Jesus brought with him. But the only way into that is through surrender, weakness. The Holy Spirit comes through power and starts to do a work in. It's a work in. It's not here first, it's here And you literally feel yourself changing. It's like you have a substance in you that you never had in you before. And now you're able to live this out. So you now start walking in a manner worthy of being conformed into his image. So he says, love people like I love them. And you go, well, I can do that, Father. Because I've come into the spiritual wisdom, a spiritual understanding. Why? Because the cross which is the power unto salvation, has gone to work in me. It's not foolishness to me. It's not a stumbling block to me. It's the way to life. So don't deny the power of the cross if you're in a form of godliness when it turns up to crucify your flesh. Because to deny the cross is to deny the power, which is to mean you stay the same, which is to keep you out of living a life worthy of his calling. Does that flow? Can you hear that? And that's what Paul's saying, is you'll never come to know him through this wisdom of the world. It's a spiritual wisdom. So you have to relinquish. You have to yield. You have to leave that there and literally turn naked, knowing nothing, and say, well, here I am. And that's why prayer is essential. This is why this development of this place, which is really him and you together, and he allows him to show you, and he covers you. And he just continues to cover you. It's just incredible. And you know you're not doing it. But it's being done in you. Yeah. Uh, what, do you what, what would you define the high, the high calling as? Is there, is there more, more to that? Actually, the high calling... Um, well, I'm not quite sure the scripture calls us to the high calling as we have. Is that... Something more than this? Yeah. At least that's what you're describing, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a part of. So there's an, this age and the age to come. So this high calling, it's like the will of God, you know? It's, it's, it's multifaceted, but it's one thing. And it's hard because you go, oh, well, is it that? Is it that? Is it that? Is it that? It's all of it. And you need to know how to apply it in any situation. So this high calling is to become his position. It's a pretty high calling to lose your life completely and to live and love like God. It's a high calling to love like Jesus Christ, is it not? 
because that's not human. So that's losing your human <laughs> and finding who you were predestined to be through his power. But that's to be lived out here on earth. Would that relate to the scripture that the Lord says that humble yourself and he will lift you up in his due time or something? Sure, that's, yeah. We're called to live humbly for that to have the high calling. Yeah, because we're all born full of pride and so that pride has to come down before humility is birth because like we looked at before the lockdown we're talking about a spirit of humility okay we're not talking about false humility of people who do nice things we're talking about a spirit which is in the spirit which is the spiritual wisdom spiritual understanding it's outside of my ability to be humble the way I'm taught to be humble it's a being attitude which is in Christ, what Christ has to form in me. I'm the opposite of humility. So something has to break in me, and then there must be a formation of spirit humility for me to be humble. Now I'm postured, ready to learn. Because really until that point, I still think I'm right, which the scripture says in Proverbs. is a way that seems right to a man. And so as I go through that process of being broken down my will, okay, and then going through this process, and it's a continuous process, then God starts to elevate me up. And now he starts to put revelation within me, so now I'm starting to see why I was given life on earth and in the future. So godliness is beneficial for this life and the life, well, it's the life to come. Floating around on a cloud, Singing Kumbaya, and I don't know, maybe you always got the, you're going to be the singer you wanted to be, or the, I don't know, you know. No, no, there are things God has, and it's all in here. He tells you very clearly in here, but see, it's concealed. So you can read it all and not know any of it, because he has to show you. Who wrote the book of Revelation? Okay, well, yeah, okay, but literally it would say John. But how did John get what he wrote? He what? Say it again. He saw it. And, and from what posture did he see it? Spirit or flesh? Spirit. So he didn't learn it. The Spirit came and said, I'm going to show my servant John, write down what I show you. So this is the beauty of developing a posture where he comes and wants to show you because he shows you. He gives us. We don't learn it. It's given. He's done it all. He goes, how much do you want, Shirley? I want it all. Well, then have it all because he will always respond to your heart. So to not develop the space is probably it will pass you by like Nick was saying today. That was pretty bold, wasn't it? You hear the Spirit rising? That was a cry of the Spirit. Okay, So it'll pass you by. Why? Because you're not found. Now God can do all things and he can scream and he is screaming, but if we don't hear him, if we don't find ourselves and, and place ourselves, we're probably not going to hear because it's part of hearing because life is just busy. So man, this high calling is to become the bride who literally lives like him on earth. Okay? Think about Jesus. Don't go, but that's Jesus. Because Jesus was man. 
You know? And this is what freaks us out because we go, oh, well, but that's Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus was a man. And so that's what you're looking at. There's a high calling. Now that process at judgment seat has a reward. And depending on your reward will take you into greater life in Christ and things in the new heavens and the new earth. But there's also a time coming back. And so part of the high calling is to reign with Christ, to be governmental rulership established on the earth for the saints. So it talks about the saints will judge the earth, does it not? It'll judge the world. When do you think that's going to happen? I believe in the thousand-year reign. So there's a scripture that's hidden there, but we just go, I don't know. I used to read it and go, I haven't got a clue about that. And I don't actually have a passion to discover about that is, so let's just read about what I know. And God woke me up. See, that's not my heart, son. It's in there for a reason. Don't you want to know me? Don't you say you love me? Don't you want to know all about me? Don't you want to know who you are? Don't you want to know your purpose? And this is, this is so, God, this is so greater than earth, okay? This is a multi-spiritual dimension living reality concealed that the great apostle Paul saw. And he took the time to write it down. And men like John saw it too. But it's in a spiritual realm. And he says you need spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding to know the spiritual will of God. Otherwise, you will have a form of all of that, and that will do you no good. And so you will live below what I've called you to. And this is why faith is the key. He's done away with sin. That is not an excuse. The nature of sin, the power of sin, it's about faith. And faith is the knowledge of God revealed in you by God, so then you live and live a life worthy of his calling. Cool. All right, I think we might call it there for tonight. Um, But go and have a fantastic week, and um, see you all soon.